Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. So I'm going to be preaching from uh, 2 Chronicles 20 today. Uh, and I uh, listened to Pastor Toulu's message last week and he brought a really strong word about uh, uh, using the sword as your weapon and that chasing down your enemies and I, and I was like oh this is great we didn't even we didn't really talk to each other about what we were preaching on exactly uh, he may have given some a little bit of background but uh, his message when I listened to it and then I had mine ready I'm like well this this goes quite hand in hand which is awesome so um, <clears throat> I'll give you some background uh, well the, the, today's sermon title is is position your allegiance to the king And uh, the subtitle is just when we were about to get going. And so I'll use uh, 2 Chronicles 20 to paint a picture for you. There's quite a lot of scripture. Some of it you'll see come up. Some of it I'll just read out to you. But I'll give you some background story before I get into uh, chapter 20. And you've got uh, this king called King Jehoshaphat, uh, who was king over Israel. He wasn't the best king ever, but he did do some good things for Israel, which was, one was he got rid of all the idols, all the wooden idols around, and he tore all those down. And he also did prepare his heart to seek after God. So he wasn't, I mean, you got some bad kings in the Old Testament, but this guy wasn't too bad. Uh, and it was also at a time after King David, and they had already built the second temple. And, um, you, you know, the, the expectation of the people was they were waiting for the, the, you know, just like in Haggai 2 that I read before, they were waiting for the glory of the Lord to fill the temple again uh, because of the prophetic words had come. So... Things weren't, things weren't uh, going too well, but one thing uh, King Jehoshaphat did was he, he, he organized the people. He put judges in place. Uh, he sort of cleaned everything up. He got everything in order. Uh, and, and just as he did all that, so the people are ready to go, and it's like, we're all set. Everything is, everything is good. Let's go and be the kingdom that God, or the nation that God has called us to be. Uh, you know, everything's pretty good. We'll, and, and just when that happened, the enemy, uh, the surrounding nations started to, to gather against uh, Israel and, and they panicked. So just as they were about to get going, just as they were about to start into, and going to the calling that God had for them and the things that God had for them, the enemy stands up and says, we're going to cut you down. And so Jehoshaphat uh, responds uh, like this. So first of all, he asks, he asks the people to pray and he calls a fast. So he panics a little bit and he's like, okay, we need to seek God on this. The enemy's at our gate. What do we do? And so they, he calls a fast and he calls them to pray. And this is how uh, God's prophet responds to King Jehoshaphat. He said, listen, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will, uh, not have, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. I like how he says here... The battle isn't yours, but get in position anyway. Still calls them to get ready. 
the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then, the, then some of the Levites and those guys and those guys stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left the desert uh, of uh, Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing the, to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for your love endures forever. So just to sum all this up, uh, they, they pray, they fast, they ask God. God turns around and says, Don't be afraid, I'll be with you, don't be discouraged. Go up, stand against the army. You won't have to fight them, though, but go and stand up there anyway. And what he does is he sends out the worshippers out in front, and they start saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. I'm getting a little bit of a sense that maybe they're a little bit afraid, and, you know, you send out the worshippers first, then you're like, uh, these guys don't even carry swords. But uh, this is what God's asked them to do. And I'm going to read out the rest. Some parts are missing. I've, I've paraphrased some of it just for the sake of time. Um, so tw uh, verse 22 says, As they begin to sing praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Am Amnon and Moab, who were the nations against them, and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps, lyres, and trumpets. So just in case you missed that, their singing and praising turned them against themselves. They destroyed each other. The enemy turned on each other. They cut each other down. Then there was one group of people left, and what they did was they turned on each other and slaughtered each other. Pretty amazing story. Wouldn't you like it if that's how God treated or, or responded to us? He said, don't fight for yourself. I'll fight for you. Get up and praise me. I'll be with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God, all this sort of thing. And as you stand up and praise, the enemy turns on himself. Wouldn't that be, have you ever been in situations where you think, God, how are you going to get me through this? How am I going to get past this? As a church, we've been in it. As a church, we, our doors nearly closed and we got up and we praised him and he's turned it all around. I didn't have to face my enemies as, like that. I had to face my enemies with him, with him. I faced him in praise. I pr faced him in worship. And as, as Pastor Tuulu said last week, you face him with the word, of, which is the sword. And today I'm going to go into some, uh, give you some more tips because of what God's about to bring you into. Because as a church, you guys have been positioned. God has positioned you. He's got you ready. You've got leaders in place. Everything is set. And just as you're about to get going, the enemy's going to try and come against you. Because he knows what he's called you to be. He, the enemy knows what God has called you to be. And that gets the enemy's attention. You might not have the attention of anybody else in Auckland. You might not have the attention of anybody else in New Zealand, not any of the other churches, not any, any people not on the campus, not anywhere, but you have got the attention of the enemy because he sees what God has put on you and what he's called you to be. And you are ready. 
Just like Jehoshaphat, as a church, as warriors of the king, things are set and ready. But just as you're about to launch, the enemy will, will attempt to stop your advance. There's one thing that God does with the prophetic. There's, there's, there's no mistake that uh, Pastor, what Pastor Tuulu is doing is he's prophetically proclaiming something. And, the, and what that does is it actually stirs up things in the spirit. Because you, you start to speak out what God's going to do. And then God tests you at the things that are spoken. So when you, when you get prophetic people in to speak out, it's not like they're going to come in and make everything good for you. It's like they're going to speak it out and then, you, and then you have to stand in the word that's given. You have to stand in that. He's making you a promise that the battle is his. You've got to remember these things. He's making you a promise that the battle is his. No matter what, whatever you face, the battle is his. That the enemy will fall into his own traps and that he is surely calling you to assemble as warriors, as an army and mem members of the royal family. You know, if you're a Christian, you're a member of the royal family of the king. You're a child of God, but you're royalty of the most high God. He's calling you in allegiance to the king and to his kingdom. I know it's a fairly strong word, but I'm going to explain to you uh, what, why I use the word allegiance and why it's so important, especially in the season that you're about to go into as a church. This is the final thing that happens. Second Chronicles 20, 29 says, The fear of God, so they've defeated all the enemies. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the prophetic message that I have for Auckland at the end of the day. This is the hope that he will hold for you in this in this church and in this city, the fear of God came on all surrounding, on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. That's an amazing, that's an amazing outcome. So what God's calling you into in this season is he's saying your weapons of prayer, fasting, unity in assembling, unity in assembling, praise, worship, and most of all, to position your faith. And I'm going to go into exactly what that, what that means. I'm going to focus on this part of positioning your faith. Oh, here we go. Okay, so sorry, I'm trying to follow two different things. Um, Second Chronicles, so I'm going to pull out this part. It says, listen to me, Judah. So he, this is the part where he's prayed, God's given an answer, and this is the prophet before they've gone into battle. He says, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. That word faith there has to do with uh, the word uh, amen. Who's ever heard that word before? They use it in the New Testament. It's spelled A-M-E-N in the Old Testament. So all the things in red there are actually amen. And so when we use it in the New Testament, we, we pray and we say amen. God, you are faithful to your word. That's what happens when we pray. So, so we're, he's proclaiming this. Have faith in your God that he will do what he said he's going to do. And, and I'm going to go into some of the, the meanings of faith and what that looks like. Also here, same again with this word believe. Believe in the Lord your God and, he, and you will be established. Believe his prophets. Sorry, this is a, the ESV version. So I'm just trying to connect for you the word faith, the word believe, how it was used in the Old Testament, and I'll also show you how it was used in the New Testament and help you along your way about what you're about to face. It means to be faithful of long continuance, as in you keep on giving it, you keep on doing it, steadfast, sure, surely, trusty, and verified. 
Who knows what faith means? When someone says you need to have some more faith for that, who goes, well, how do you do that? I mean, I've had people come up to me and they've said to me, oh, someone prayed for me, it didn't get healed, and they said that I didn't have enough faith. Uh, well, what does that mean? How do you muster up faith, especially if faith is a gift? I'm not really sure how that works. So I'm going to explain it to you in a way that hopefully we can understand, and especially going into the battle that you're about to face. Faith equals allegiance. Faith equals allegiance. The word in the New Testament is pistis, which means assurance, belief, believe, faith, fidelity. These are all the words that I just went over in the Old Testament. Belief, believe, faith, have faith in your God, believe in your God. Uh, Another word that's used is pistuo, which is to have faith, to entrust, especially to Christ, believe, commit, put trust with so what, he's, what, what this word is, every time in the New Testament that you see faith, where you see believe, sometimes trust, this word is pistis or pistuo, and it literally means to have fidelity towards Jesus. I put my faith in Christ. And, and Christ also means king, so when I start to speak and I say, I, my allegiance is to the king, I'm saying, my faith is in Jesus I will choose you, Jesus, every day when I get up, and I will continue in that allegiance to you. I'm not going to deviate from that. I'm not going to turn away from that. And I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to display it in my actions, not just my moral actions, but in my giving, in my prayer, in the amount of time that I give to you. I'm going to show you that I'm allegiant to you because you are allegiant to me. Why am I allegiant to you, Jesus, and only to Jesus? Why do I follow him? And only him, because he's the only one who gave his life for me. He is the only one who gave his life for me. And more than that, he is God who gave his life for me. I owe my allegiance to no man except for him. But I do that also because he's good. He's good to me. He set me free from the oppressor. He set me free from sin and death. I walk around a free man. Sometimes it's been a process. But at the same time, I walk around a free man. And I have a good king who loves me and he gave himself to me. And I'm not going to go back on that. Fidelity meaning faithfulness to a person, cause or belief, demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. Some synonyms of uh, fidelity are loyalty, allegiance, obedience, fealty, homage, and there's more. But just think about it in your marriage. Do you want fidelity in your marriage? You can't just say it to your wife, hey, I'm not going to cheat on you and then go and cheat on her. You, you, when you say it and you believe it, you do it. You, you, you do it. And, the, and it's the same thing with our faith towards Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Do you? Yep, then act like it. This might challenge some of you guys. It challenges me. But I can tell you right now, and we're not perfect at it. Trust me, I'm not perfect at it. It's a journey. But what it has done is when I start to realize that I'm not trying to be faithful to a list of moral standards, I'm trying to be faithful and obedient to a person who is Jesus because he gave his life for me, it turns into a whole new thing. All of a sudden, I want to do that. I want to do that. Just like you've got a best friend, why, why do you want to do good things for them when they're in trouble? When you see your family members in trouble, why do you want to help them? Why do you want to give to them? Because you love them. Jesus is no different. Let me explain it to you another way. John 20, 30 to 31 says, 
this is, this is the, close to the end of the book of John, which is the Gospel of John, where, where he explains the story of Jesus, uh, one of the Gospels out of the four. And uh, at the end he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe or may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In the book of John, there are seven miracles that take place where it's written out. And what John is saying here at the end of the book is, I'm writing these miracles out, not so you can say, oh, wow, Jesus did amazing miracles. He's saying that I'm, I'm writing these down so that you may put your allegiance into the King and know that he's the Son of God and that you may have life in his name. There's, a, there's so many cool things to do with this. I came out of suicide, depression, uh, drinking and drugs and all this sort of thing, and he set me free overnight. And if, he's, if that's a bad thing for following a king that I owe my life to for that, I'll, I'll take that. Yes, please. He set me free. I owe him my life, and why wouldn't I? He is good. Let me put it to you another way. I've messed around with the Bible a little bit here. Uh, in terms of translation, but they mean the same things. Uh, but these are written that you may have same scripture, but these are written that you may be allegiant or may continue to be allegiant to the truth that Jesus is the King of the universe, the Son of God, and that by showing allegiance you may have life in his name. I can just put it real simply. Do we call him Lord? Is he Lord? What the Lords expect? Obedience. But, uh, but I don't do it out of obligation. I do it because I'm part of the royal family. It's part of my job description to do as the king tells me to do. But why do I follow him? I'm going to repeat this again. Why do I do what, I, what he tells me to do? Because he showed me that he was good because he died for me on the cross. He gave his life for me. He set me free from the oppressor. He set me free from Satan. He set me free from the, the oppression of drugs, of alcohol, of of all the sin that was wrecking my life and destroying my life and I didn't even know it and he brought me into this wonderful presence of who he is in relationship with him. I don't do it for any religious reason. I do it because he loved me and he gave himself for me. That's why. The gospel is about the new king who died for his people. He set them free from the oppressor by paying for them with his own life and also defeating the oppressor who was Satan who wielded sin and death. The forgiveness of sins that is found in Jesus has inaugurated, brought in a new way of doing things. He's a new king ruling a new people, and he's a good king. I just want to explain to you one thing about the cross. The cross, back in those days, was for rebels. Who's a rebel here? Hey. <laughs> one guy. I know, secretly, a lot of you put your hand up. <laughs> That's why Jesus picked you. <laughs> He likes to pick the lowly things of the world to confound the wise. <laughs> let, me, let me explain to you. When, if, if, I, if a government official, if the President of the United States had walked into my room uh, when I was in the place, and I was a lot skinnier by then, then by the way, because I had anxiety and depression, so uh, I wasn't uh, doing too well. But, uh, you know, I was a mess. And if the President of the United States had walked in and said, I'm looking for an ambassador of the United States, who shall I pick? And he walked into my room. Do you think he would have picked me? There's no way he would have picked me. He said, this guy can't even keep his head together. Jesus, the king of the universe, walked in and said, I want this guy to represent who I am and my kingdom. This guy is a mess. I pick him. He did the same for you, didn't he? 
That's why I follow him. That's why I give him my allegiance. That's why I put my faith and belief in him. Because he believed in me when I was nothing. I wasn't even looking for him. And he came and got me. The cross was for rebels. He stood up against the, em- the empire and said, and said, I've got a new way of doing things. You can kill me, but you won't defeat me. In fact, by doing what you're doing, I'll win. And he let himself do that. And he, the cross was for rebels. He was a rebel against the empire, the Roman Empire. And it's important to remember that. Uh, the testimony, this is the testing of your faith. Who's heard that scripture? It's the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. He's testing your allegiance to him. Not a pass or fail, but to refine you so that you choose him every single day, more and more, little by little, little by little. I choose you, Jesus. I choose you. You know what? I went there. I went back to, I went back to the oppression of sin and death, and it sucks. I'm sick of going back there. I don't want to go back there anymore. I'm sick of going back there. I want to live here. I want to live in the freedom of who you are. I want to live with you. I want to be with you. And, and isn't that why we get baptized? We get baptized, we say, we get put under the water. I'm no longer going to live in this old way of doing things because that ruler, that old king sucks. He was destroying my life. And then we get raised again to life and I'm saying, okay, now I'm leaving that old life behind. It's dead in the grave. It's going to stay there. I'm now alive and made new in who Jesus is. And I'm going to choose my new king every day that I get out of bed. I might not be perfect at it, but I'm going to choose him every day. I keep repeating this. It's important that we know this. We are saved by grace through faith. If you want the more of the favor of God, you choose him every day because it gives you access to grace, which is his favor. And it will, it'll get tested. So when I, uh, when I first got saved, my daughter would have been six months old. I'd never seen her. Uh, the mum was um, not contacting me, uh, some for good reasons, I guess. Um, and when I got saved, the first thing I asked God for after reading some of the Bible, I said, God, you're a family man. I would love to see my daughter. I want my daughter to be part of my life. And for a year, that was my, like my only prayer was to see my daughter. And uh, I had a dream three nights in a row that I'd see my daughter when she was 16 months old. And I, <laughs> I, uh, I fully believed that my daughter was just going to show up. I couldn't afford a lawyer. I, I couldn't get legal aid. I earned too much, but not enough to pay for one. And uh, the 16 months came around, and I fully just expected my daughter to turn up at my door. And that didn't happen. And I got so mad at God. I went into my room, and I started shaking my fist at him and saying, why would you let me believe that? That's, that's, why would you let me think that she was just going to turn up? And he said to me, well, what are you going to do now? And I went, what does that mean? What do you mean, what am I going to do now? And he said, are you going to worship me or are you going to hate me? He's testing who are you allegiant to? What do you want more? Do you want me more or do you want your daughter more? This is an extreme test. I opened my Bible and it said, I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. And I said, Jesus, even if I never see my daughter on earth, you, your word promises me that if I worship you, if I choose you, you will save her and she will spend eternity with you in heaven. So I choose you. Two months later, a lawyer took me on for nothing. Long story short, saw my daughter within three months. He tested, he, does he care about my family? Yes. 
Does he want me to be more allegiant to him than that? Yes. Why? Because he is good and he's the only one who gave his life for me. The only one. And more than that, he's risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father in power, and I'm sitting right there with him. What else wouldn't he do for me? So why wouldn't I choose him over anything else? And the benefit of that, he, he just turned around within three months. It was crazy. We're in a battle. There are two kingdoms at war. Let me show you the extreme of allegiance in terms of uh, the Old Testament, uh, New Testament. You've got to understand the New Testament, what was actually taking place is that the, Isra- the Israelite people were waiting for a new king to come to th- overthrow the oppressor of the time. Oh, they, they were expecting him for, for centuries. The whole Old Testament speaks of a com- coming king. And so uh, at the time, you know, Jesus is, uh, was, was crucified, dead and buried, and the, and the disciples are like, oh, well, okay, maybe he wasn't the one who was supposed to come. Uh, but then they realized, hang on, he did something more than just save Israel. He's saving the entire world. This is huge. He's not only just king over Israel. He's now king of the universe. And to clarify that, it's in Ephesians, if you want to read that. Um, and so he says, uh, uh, the book of Acts gives all these stories. And this story in particular is, is about when uh, Paul and Silas, the apostle Paul and Silas, ended up in jail for preaching the gospel. And so they're, you know, they're, they're trying to... Um, come against Paul and Silas for preaching the gospel. And what happens is, is some cool things take place. There's an earthquake. The jailer was about to kill himself because he's like, ah, the guys have escaped and I'm going to die anyway, so I might as well do it myself because I've failed the empire. You know, who, who knows that that's how the devil wants you to respond? You failed, you might as well knock yourself off. You might as well quit. You might as well give in. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't say, he goes, you, might have, you may have stuffed it, but my, you know what I'm good at? I'm good at redemption. I'm good at making things right. That's, that's what I am. <laughs> Isn't that my whole goal is to make the earth redeemed? I'm good at fixing things. Don't ever give up. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. I've probably done worse. And he never quit on me. Not only am, is my allegiance to him, but his allegiance is to me. I am part of the royal family. I've been born again into the household of God. He won't give up on me. So we get to the point where uh, the Apostle Paul and Silas take the jailer, they preach the gospel to him, and he does this. Uh, this is what they say to him. And they said, believe, which is this word pistos, uh, pistos, sorry, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, King, and you will be saved, and you and your household, and the, and." They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God. If you put it the other way, uh, turn your allegiance to the Lord, who is king, and you will be saved. And his whole household turned. You've got to understand this guy works for the opposite team. He works for the emperor. And what is the cross for? It's for rebels. So this guy is in danger of going to the cross because of what he confesses and his whole, his whole household confesses. They, they know what, this is serious business. He knows he can end up on the cross for what he's just done. He was the jailer. He's seen Christians in jail for preaching the gospel. And he turns around and says, I will put my faith in this Jesus. This is serious business. Why, though? I'll tell you, the, the emperor does not die for his people. The, the emperor of Rome did not die for his people, never have. 
never did. So the allegiance is out of fear. I mean, the guy was in so much fear that he thought the guys had left jail and he was going to kill himself. That's how much fear he had of the emperor. But with Jesus, he turns to him and he says, even if it costs me my life, I know the one who died for me. And that is worth dying for. The emperor was not worth dying for. Jesus is worth dying for, though. This is serious business. So... If you remember the title of the sermon, I know I've said a lot, but if you remember the title of the sermon was Positioning of Your Faith. Positioning Your Allegiance. How do I do that? Ephesians 6. I'm just going to say that the battle is coming, the enemy is not happy because you guys are ready. You are ready. Don't be afraid of the battle. Don't, 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 because there is something greater that God has for you and for this city. That the, that the whole island of New Zealand will take notice of. Verse 10, Ephesians 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, in all circumstances, take up the shield of allegiance, which is faith. It says the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and as Pastor Daula was preaching last week and the sword of the spirit which is in the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The shield of faith that he's talking about. I'm, I'm, how, do, how do you apply your faith? How do you, how do you apply your faith? You choose Jesus when you get up in the morning. You say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, the king. You're the one I'm going to obey today. You're the one I'm going to listen today because I know you have my best interests at heart. And I know also what my old life was like and I don't want to live there anymore. And when, and when sin presents itself, I'm going to say no to sin and yes to you. When, when, <laughs> when Moses went to Pharaoh, he said, set my people free so that they may worship me. You have the choice. If you're a Christian and you know Jesus and he is the Lord of your life, you have a choice to worship him or not to worship him. Before you knew him, you have no choice. Sin and death controls you. It, it calls the shots. But now he has set you free from that. Now you are able to say, yes, I'm going to worship you today. Jesus, you're who I'm going to choose today. And so when it says the shield of faith, what's going to protect you from the enemy is that when you choose him, it's going to shield you because there's something that he said to me uh, just even, I was in Manila a few weeks ago and some things were going on, some spiritual warfare was going on and he said to me, you can rest in your allegiance to me. You can rest in it. And when we look at 2 Chronicles, he says, the battle is mine. The battle is mine, but still stand there and praise me. And what he's saying to me is that as long as you stay with me and you choose me and stay allegiant for, to me, you can rest in the fact that I'm going to protect you and do anything I can for you which is 
anything. He can do anything. What else would I, wouldn't I do for you? I gave my life for you. What else won't I do for you? And you rest in the fact that because I've chosen you today, Jesus, you're going to fight for me and I can rest in that. The outcome might not look the way I want it to be, but you are good and you have got something good for me. Not only that, he wants to use you to preach the gospel, that same gospel to your city, to the people, in your ha- the people that you see in your workplace or whatever you're doing. He says, I want you to let people know the good king has set you free from the oppression of sin and death. There's no reason to be afraid anymore. I've got a note here that says, you are warriors. This is faith for a warrior. Your allegiance to your king and obedience to his word. So if you take the things that I'm saying today and the things that Pastor Ulu was saying last week, you get this one sentence. Your allegiance to your king and obedience to his word is what makes you warriors and will what give you rest in the face of the enemy. When struggles start coming up at home or you face old problems that have come up before, you just say, this is your battle, Jesus. I choose you. So <clears throat> this is why I love. This is the part that really jumped out to me for this church. After you go through this battle in the next six or 12 months, I just saw a picture of all of you huddling together. This is a time where you need to stay together. This is a time where you need to support each other, where you need to love one another. What are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might. And the second is like the first. So as much as you love God, you have to love each other with the same passion. That's his commandment. And during this season and the things that you're going into, the word's going to be important. Your allegiance to the word and to the king is going to be important. But add on to that, your allegiance to each other is going to be important. Follow the king first, but love each other the same way you love him. Because aren't we the body? Isn't he the head and we're all one? We're together in this. We love each other the same way we love Jesus because we're all part of the same body, but we follow the head. And the outcome, which is what I want to prophesy at the end here, the outcome is going to be 20, uh, 2 Chronicles 20, 15 to 30. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms. I love the words they use. People are going to see the battle that has taken place between two kingdoms, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And this church is going to come out in front and everyone around is going to see and say, God's kingdom overthrew the enemy's kingdom. They might not say it just like that, but they're going to see something is different. And this is the word. It says, all the surrounding kingdoms, when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. If you, I like to mess around with the word, but here we go. The Lord had fought against the enemies of Auckland South, every nation. And the kingdom of every nation, Auckland, was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. You've got to hold on to this word. The word says, God says the word and then you get tested. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? The enemy comes against you. Do you believe this? He's telling you how to fight in this battle that's coming. But he's also telling you the end result that you need to hold on to. If you hold true to me, if you push through with me and with each other, I promise you, that the kingdom surrounding, the other churches surrounding, the nation, the city, the council, the schools, they will take notice and say, wow, look at what God has done in that church and with that people. Look at the freedom that these people walk in. 
I want to walk in that freedom. I want to know that king. I want to, I want to pledge my allegiance to this king. I no longer want to walk under the oppression of my life. And some of you, even standing here, some of you, there's oppression at home that takes place. You might come out and, and you put on a happy face and everyone thinks everything is okay, but there's oppression taking place at home and you have no idea how to deal with it or how to overcome it. And he says, I'm coming into your house in a way that, that you've never experienced before, but you must get up in the morning and you must choose me. You must choose me. When I say read the word, read the word. When I say pray, pray. When I say worship, worship, and I will set you free from the oppressor of that household because I've called you by name. I know you by name. I numbered, or I, I, there are billions of stars and billions of galaxies, and I know every single one by name. I call them out at night, but I called you by name. I know you intimately and personally. Take me into your house, and I will, I will change your household. I will make it a house of light. No longer will the enemy oppress you in that place. It'll start in the church first. It'll start in your houses first. It'll start in your personal life first. Don't keep things hidden. And it'll go out from there. And all kingdoms on every side, the enemy will take notice and they will be afraid of this church. The enemy will, be, will fear this church because of the goodness of the king that you serve will be evident. Isn't that awesome people are like why would i why would i choose jesus what can he do for me well, what do you what, what do you want to be free from he's the one who who paid the price to set you free and that's why i give him my life that's why i own my life i just pray for you and then we'll finish